We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen, and I'm your host, as always. And joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Today, for the most part, was the last day I had to like lecture teach. Everything from here on out is projects and breaking down articles and, of course, finals. So I basically made it through my first year of teaching, which is pretty cool. I can't believe I made it. Yeah, just next year, you'll be able to get paid doing it. That'll be nice. I can't wait for <laughs> that. Really nice. Money's good. Money yeah. is good. Oh, what's up, Galadriel? Hello. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, I was we were talking off air. You know, gra- as a school counselor, graduation gets uh, a little hectic, and uh, you know, we're uh, two weeks away essentially from graduation up here. So uh, it's been a little, little stressful to say the least. But it's all good. We got a great team up here, and we got a great team on the podcast. So. Um, today we obviously got some news right before we came on. Shout out to uh Chase Daniel breaking the news <laughs> for the Chargers uh signing of Nick Williams defensive tackle. So Chargers electing to use one of their final roster spots to add some defensive line depth. So we'll we'll give some uh thoughts there. Um, and then we'll also uh the, the bulk of our show today we're gonna be breaking down the AFC West AFC West draft classes. Excuse me, I almost said AFC West. Whoops. AFC West draft classes. 
um, and seeing how the Chargers kind of stack up with things. So uh, like you tweeted out earlier, it's a bit more of a mix, mixed bag this year than it was last year where there was a pretty clear winner in our opinion. So we'll see how that one goes. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun episode today. As always, make sure and like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all that we do really greatly appreciate as we continue to grow the show. All right, Tyler. So Chargers uh, have not officially made it official yet, uh, but according to Chase Daniel, the Chargers have signed former Lions and Bears defensive lineman Nick Williams. Uh, He was in Chicago with Mr. Jay Rogers, the Chargers defensive line coach, as well as Brandon Staley for a year. Um, I've been told he's considered a Jay Rogers favorite. Um, so Chargers adding some defensive line depth. What are your, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. See that changes everything. Cause I, I, you know, and I know, and it's, so it's like, it changes things. And based on what this could be, is this, just some guy that was going to, you know, try out and see what you got and bring in a veteran, but you know, we're going to go somewhere else inevitably, mm-hmm. but hearing the things about how, you know, Jay Rogers certainly feels about and how much he loves him. Like, it's to the point where it does seem like, well, one, that Hinton won't be the, the sixth guy. And two, it sounds like they would go with someone like Williams over Matlock, which is kind of frustrating because, you know, I had no idea who he was. Then I watched him, loved him. Then you see guys like Daniel Jeremiah having him like really, really high on his board. I didn't even notice that, but he really liked Matlock, certainly not a sixth round guy. And so you feel like, okay, the Chargers really got something and maybe they still do. But now you bring in a veteran who nothing wrong with him necessarily, but he is 33 years old. They did cite Kyle Van Noy last year when he like just turned 32 or was about to turn 32. That's not super far off. It's just, I, I don't know. I would have liked to hope and we'll see, but I would like to see Matlock be the guy and get that younger rotation in. But it seems like they're going to go with a veteran with Nick Williams. So we'll see what he's got. I have not watched him at all on film i don't know what he's you know what he can do but you know if jay rogers says hey that's my guy and you know i guess i'll believe him yeah so nick williams first and foremost had a career season um under jay rogers in chicago in 2019 easily the best season of his career um so in 2019 with the bears he played uh 532 total snaps which at the time was a career high um he earned himself a nice little contract and signed with the lions um, but in 2019, he had 21 total pressures. He had six sacks, actually, um, 26 defensive stops. He was top 30 in the league in uh, run stop percentage among defensive linemen with uh, at least 20% of the run defense snaps. So Jay Rogers knows how to use him, and Jay Rogers clearly is a big fan of his. And, and um, you know, we'll see really what his role is. I have a hard time at this point picturing a 33-year-old veteran like playing significant snaps over Scott Matlock. But, you know, stranger things have happened. We've seen the Chargers, you know, take it easy with their day three rookies. They're not going to force uh, Matlock to, you know, play if he's not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that one pans out. This, to me, it's just insurance if Austin Johnson or Otito Gbonia are not ready to start the season right away, you know. And so Nick Williams can come in. He can be your Christian Covington type, you know, guy who can be interior defensive lineman number five, number six. If you need a run defense heavy week, he can play run defense. If you need more of a pass, uh, pass rush heavy week, you know, Scott Scott Macklock can be that that last guy. 
Um, so we'll we'll see what the role is, but I think this is, in my opinion, this is more about insurance for Johnson, Ogbonia, not necessarily being ready, and also like if Matlock isn't necessarily ready to hit the ground running, then Nick Williams can be your 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 fifth defensive lineman active on game day uh, to start the season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm really curious what they'll end up doing with their roster management overall because as things currently stand. You know, the switch last year was, okay, let's carry six defensive tackles. Yeah. Uh, this year, it seems like they're going to go with six wide receivers, which I think would be the smart move, and especially considering the guys that they have. So do they keep six this year? Do they keep five? Are, you know, five active again? One inactive? Do you only carry five this year? Which is a mistake that they learned from from 2021. But, like, how do you, how do you balance this group out? And then the obvious question is, who do you take from? Is that tight end? I mean, who do you, you only keep three tight ends this year? I guess I guess you would do that, but I don't love that idea either. So you can't take it from quarterback because you're going to have three quarterbacks. I don't know. Yeah, if you really look at the, you know, we did a post-draft post draft depth chart analysis. Mm-hmm. So we'll just pull this up. And I already added Nick Williams in here. Nice. Um, you know, so you have like presumably Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day starting. Um, and then Scott Matlock and, and Otito Ogbonia kind of at least roster construction wise locked into the roster spots. Mm-hmm. So if you have Nick Williams as as kind of your Christian Covington replacement, obviously that moves Chris Hinton to a, a depth piece, you know, borderline roster. Um, but if you look at this defensive tackle room in general, I think you feel really good about this group with the overall construction. I mean, you've got some quality starters in Fox Johnson, Joseph Day. You've got a rookie to develop in Scott Matlock. You've got a guy who, if he's healthy, could take another step in, Tito Agbonia, um, a veteran Nick Williams, and then you've got some developmental pieces, Chris Hinton, Gerard Clark, Terrence Lang, David Moa. Like mm-hmm. this, this group should be a lot of fun to watch in training camp because they actually go really like, I, I, you know, I think Chris Hinton is a guy who could really make this roster still, even with this signing. I don't think that would preclude them from keeping Hinton. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like Gerard Clark. I don't really share those same feelings, but I think at least as a nose tackle, he, he has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. So if you look like one through eight, like I think this is a really good defensive tackle room for the Chargers. So if and I, I don't know if you would even know this answer yet, but Gerard Clark is, seems to be everyone's favorite right now. Does, so Nick Williams would push his specific role more? Because Gerard Clark's more your nose tackle type? Or do you think Nick Williams is more like, yeah, so Nick Williams is more of a three-tech, five-tech who can play nose. Okay. Um, so that's why I, I kind of put him as as Chris Hinton. I mean, Otito Agonia is your backup nose. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that people who like Gerard Clark are not necessarily, like, taking into account is that, you know, Joseph Day is going to start at the nose and then Agonia is going to be the backup. Like, are you really going to put three nose tackles on the active roster? Mm-hmm. I don't really see that happening. Like, I think you have to have a little bit more versatility. So Nick Williams has past pass rush production to his resume. I mean, 26 pressures and six sacks is nothing to, to sneeze at for an interior defensive lineman who's probably interior defensive lineman four or five on that roster back on the Bears. I, I know it was obviously four years ago, but Chris Hinton too, like he can play all across the line. Nick Williams mm-hmm. can play all across the line. So, you know, I, I think the Chargers have shown that if they're going to carry six, they want two pass rushers, Fox, Matlock, they mm-hmm. want two nose tackles, Joseph Day or you know, Tito Ogmonia. And then the other two have to be able to play all across the line. Like you have to play nose, three tech, five tech, 
and you just kind of fill in the gaps. And that's what Johnson and Nick Williams or Chris Hinton can be. Like if, if you have Gerard Clark in there, I think you just have too much redundancy. Yeah, that makes sense. What was Nick Williams' injury last year? Solomon was asking. Uh, it was a torn bicep, I believe, if I remember correctly. Lovely. So, so he's he's considered fully healthy and cleared, according to other people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's signed, so I'm assuming that he would be. Cleared. Yeah, you have to pass a physical, so you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I I would love to see his film. I'd love to see how he does in training camp. I don't. I really don't think. Like yeah, he's he's slotted in, I guess. But like you said, it's not set in stone. There's a lot yeah. of guys here who could take that spot, or they go with five and say that Tuli can play some inside or something. Yeah, like I said, I don't think that signing Nick Williams on May 18th precludes them from, you know, choosing him over Chris Hinton. I don't think it you know precludes them from uh, choosing five instead. Like this is insurance to me. Like let's get to camp. Let's see how Austin Johnson and Otito Ogbonia are doing. Let's see how Scott Matlack looks like really, uh, you know, against the run and stuff like that. So this is just your, this is your Christian Covington 2.0 essentially. Okay. I, uh, cool. So uh question from, uh, I think this is David Thompson. I, I, I don't understand all the letters here. Um, he wants to know, how do we only choose six of those defensive linemen? And how do we stop our practice squad players from getting jacked? Um, well, good question. Choosing the sixth is tough. I mean, okay, there's five set in stone. So, yeah. and, and I do think that, you know, if we were, what we were told is sort of to be believed, then Nick Williams is your other guy. Because if Jay Rogers loves you, and there's even the slightest indication in May that he could even be active over someone like Matlock. I mean, I think that's your six right there, as long as nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, I guess the question sort of becomes, how do you balance, let's say Otito has another month to go when the season starts to even get back onto the field. How do you balance right. that? Um, as far as practice squad players, nothing you can do. Although the Chargers have tried to do the last two years, some like practice squad versus active roster, or at least the initial roster, kind of management so i mean yeah Forrest merrill is now in seattle and he made the roster for a day over cortez brown who went to the chiefs um who is it Braden fajoko uh the other guy his name gaziano thank you gaziano and they were just trying to play that game last year same thing kind of tried to play that game so we might see like a funky sixth guy kept but it's kind of temporary as they're trying to play the roster game yeah, I will say for Gerard Clark, like if Otidio is is just not ready to go, then that could that's that's Gerard Clark's way to make the roster, right? As, yeah, as the backup knows because Otito's not healthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if if you place Otito on the pup list to start the season, then he obviously does not, you know, count towards your roster construction, and then you have to activate him, place him on IR or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the way for Gerard Clark to to make the roster, in my opinion. I think if mm-hmm. if Otito is healthy, then Gerard basically has no chance. So yeah, uh, we'll see how that one goes. But um, it's it is curious because I thought that like you said earlier, maybe this is kind of the season where they don't they're not able to keep six defensive linemen. I think this is this seals that they will keep six. It just kind of depends who exactly is the six. Yeah, and, and I. Not that it does, but to me it feels like it does rule out Kyle Van Noy coming back. Completely different positions, but you're running out of space. Yeah, And I think you now have your four 
edge rushers that you're going to definitely go with and you have your defensive tackle so like i think the ship has kind of sailed on kyle van noy at this point which is sort of the point of the signing right let's try to get some sort of comp pick for these guys um but yeah for any hope that maybe he'd be back it's weird to say that a defensive tackle that's 33 would change that <laughs> but I, I just feel like with one spot yeah. to go you're looking at tight end tackle whatever and i think it goes to one of those guys yeah, I mean, so the just so we're clear, the Chargers roster is at 89 players after signing Nick Williams. So mm-hmm. unless they wanted to wanted to cut somebody, they have one more spot left. So um, I don't know. Uh, Carter asking right on right on cue, right with with John Johnson, what's happening with him? Yeah, we haven't really heard anything. It it's been super weird because like the the second free agency started, you know, Jeremy Fowler was like, oh, the Chargers are interested in signing John Johnson. It's like, great. Understand. Makes sense. Let's go. <laughs> um, but nothing's happened yet. He's still a free agent. So um, I I, I kind of tend to think that the Chargers are going to get to training camp and, and see what JT Woods looks like. This is just my opinion. I do not have a source here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they're going to sign somebody, I, I think the last player is going to be an offensive player, whether it's tight end, offensive tackle, running back, like – if Austin Eckler is going to be holding out at training camp, they're going to need another running back just for like, you know, sheer practice purposes. So yeah, um, I think they're kind of in wait and see mode until they can get to camp and figure out who's where, what kind of contract situations are we dealing with, with Austin Eckler and, and I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody else, but um, I, I think the last roster spot is going to be an offensive guy personally. Yeah. I mean, it has to be you listed tackle, you listed tight end, you just listed running back. Like any of those spots are an easy yes for me, depending on who it is, but they need a guy at really all three of those spots and they've got one left. Like you said, they could cut somebody, but they got to add a tackle, right? Like, are we going to do this again? You know, <laughs> I, you know, roll the dice again and hope Sarah turns out like Trey Pipkins granted, not a starter, but still you're, you're hoping for significant improvement. I don't know. Interesting to say the least here. Um, before we get to the AFC West stuff, uh, we shared this news that Nick Williams was expected to sign yesterday in our Discord. Uh, so please make sure and uh, join up. I think it's uh, worth the amount of money that you have to pay for each month. So appreciate I didn't even know we there. did that. So great. Good for us. <laughs> I messaged you yesterday and told you that I shared that. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I thought it was gorgeous about the Jay Rogers stuff. I didn't know about the signing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mistake, I guess could have been clear, but, uh, yeah, shared that. I expected that signing to get done, uh, in the discord yesterday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, uh, Tyler, any other thoughts before we move into the AFC West draft rankings? Um, no, only that if I'm about to say something nice about the Raiders, it's because I, I'm doing it out of objectivity here because uh, we're about to say something nice about the Raiders, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll we'll see. Again, last year at this time, the Chiefs pretty clearly had like the best draft. We'll see how it goes uh, this year. So Tyler, if you want to put the uh, screenshots up on the screen, we'll run through each and then we'll kind of give some thoughts here. So um, for our audio audience, obviously, the, we'll start with the Raiders here. Uh, they t- kicked it off with uh, Tyree Wilson in the first round, Michael Mayer in the second round. Um, Alabama defensive lineman Byron Young in the third round, Cincinnati receiver slash return specialist Trey Tucker. Uh, was that also third round? I can't yes. see. Cornerback uh, from Maryland, Jacorian Bennett. And then they took uh, quarterback Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. Chris Smith, the safety from Georgia. Um, edge rusher Amani, or Amari, Amari Bailey. And then, um, how do you say that? Nesta that Jade Silvera, it looks like. Okay. Uh, what position does he play? I can't read it. <laughs> That's a great question. The Raiders are the only team that did it like this, where it's an infinitely small font, and I have no idea what it says. Everyone else in the AFC West had the exact same, like, hold on. He, he looks like halfback. A, <laughs> I was going to say, he's definitely a beefy guy, like defensive tackle or offensive lineman or something. That looks like a running back. Looks like our, oh, round seven. I'm an idiot. Defensive tackle. <laughs> Yeah, we're prepared for seven this. RB. Yeah, makes sense here. Um, so, Tyler, what do you make of the Raiders draft class? Uh, they, they had a good one. Honestly, they last year made some questionable picks. Like, I liked the players in general, but I feel like looking at their roster, it's like you guys should probably get like a corner or something. Or um, an offensive lineman. Or, or anything that makes a little bit of sense, giving your roster needs. But, hey, um, spent a ton of money on Devontae Adams, and, you know, that's what they did. But... You know, other than like like Chris Smith to me is like the quote unquote steal for them here. Um, the mm-hmm. one that's like, ooh, you get extra value considering like I don't think he was worth a fifth round selection. I think he was someone who should have gone higher than that, but he got them in the fifth round, so that's pretty good. Um, but otherwise, just really, really solid, especially that one, two, three. You know, they didn't, you know, Tyree Wilson didn't really fall to them at seven. You know, maybe he could have gone, you know, three or four or something or six, whatever. But, you know, seven solid. I think Michael Mayer in the second round is honestly very solid for them, considering he could have gone to the Chargers in the first round. Byron Young to the you know from the, the I'm gonna say the Packers from Alabama, um, solid pick there. So I uh, did not watch Jacory and Bennett, did not intentionally watch Aiden O'Connell, uh, but <laughs> other guys that I did watch, you know Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, Byron Young. That was a really really solid one two three. Trey Tucker um, thought that was pretty early. I think Tyler Scott was someone I think we all liked more. And thought would go earlier, um, I yeah. guess maybe more receiver type versus receiver slash um, returner type. But yeah, I, I honestly really like the Raiders draft class in terms of the guys that I know. 
I think it was a solid one, two, three. I think Chris Smith is a nice value guy. Pretty solid draft, much better than last year's. Yeah, definitely much better than last year's. I mean, they didn't have a first-round pick last year, so uh, you know, tough to really gauge that. But I, I like Tyree Wilson. I mean, the, the film is a ton of fun. Obviously, the biggest question there is, is health and probably role, too, because obviously you have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones there. So how much does Tyree Wilson really play in year one? Um, but if you could drum up the pick, the like a perfect tight end in the Raiders offense, it's probably Michael Mayer. <laughs> I think the baby Gronk comparisons were a bit much, but just like stylistically, like him and Hunter Henry are probably pretty similar. And, and we know how good uh, Hunter Henry was his first year in New England with uh, Mac Jones and um, Josh McDaniels. So I think Michael Mayer is going to play a lot. I think he's going to be their tight end one. Like that's really good value for them in the second round. Uh, I mean, we, we kind of thought that the chargers might be interested in taking him at 21. So getting him where they got him is really good value. I know they had to trade up to get him, but you know, I'm cool with that. Um, defensive line I thought was a concern. So getting Byron young in there, um, makes a lot of sense. Good, good quality, three tech, five tech run defender to kind of pair with Neil Farrell and, and those guys at the nose. So I like him. Trey Tucker in the third round is way too rich for me. Um, he was drafted before Tyler Scott, which is, I think, kind of ridiculous. Um, Jacorian Bennett, I did not watch him, like, like I did not focus in on him and grade him, but um, had some good flashes when I watched him in passing. And, and like his teammate Deontay Banks, Bennett's a freak athlete. And he'll probably play a lot. Like, of, of these guys, like, I think he probably challenges Mayer for, like, most snaps right away. Um, Aiden O'Connell was probably my favorite backup quarterback in the class. I, I like big, strong, has a good arm, good accuracy. He's just a statue, can't move. <laughs> um, but I, th- I still think there's a place for that in the league. Um, like you said, Chris Bennett, probably their biggest steal. Um, his film was really, really good. You know, film of, of definitely a, a top 100 pick, uh, just did not test very well, which is it's so funny to me, like looking at Georgia defensive players, and it's like, They're all freaks except for safeties. Their safeties always test really poorly. I don't understand it. Mark Webb is the same way, but I really like Chris Smith. And then the last two uh, hadn't even heard of until, you know, draft night. So um, I like the Raiders draft. I think probably round two and three are probably my favorite of the AFC West, just in terms of like value and Mm -hmm. players um, in terms of Michael Mayer and, and Byron Young. Yeah. Um, not Trey Tucker, obviously, but those picks two and three, I, I guess, should be more accurate there. So I like the class. I don't love it. But if Tyree Wilson hits, man, then this could be a great class. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, how far does Byron Young go on this depth chart this year? I don't know. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy you'd love to develop. Mayor starts right away. Tyree Wilson, if he hits, like if he hits and if Trey Tucker is honestly their starting returner and you've got one, two, three, four guys that are starting. If Bennett's already going to be playing early because they don't have a lot of corner, I mean, you went yeah. one, two, three, four, five with, with guys that can start. And, and Chris Smith could start for them, honestly, too. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're all great because the Raiders don't have like the most <laughs> the depth defensive depth chart is terrible. right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I could potentially, uh oh. Uh, Solo Man says, Steven knows who Amari Bernie is. He's the Florida linebacker with the game winning pick. I'm guessing I didn't know Utah. his name. I thought Ventro <laughs> Miller was the one who had the game-winning pick. Now, Ventro Miller had a uh, fourth down stop of the goal line. 
but I guess I guess Bernie had the pick. I thought I he was know. an edge rusher. I think he's listed as an edge rusher, so I don't know. I have no idea, but um, <laughs> you're being called out. Solomon, the big Florida guy. He yeah. called me out earlier for not knowing who or that Osiris Torrance was not on Florida. So, oops. <laughs> yeah, it's all good here. Uh, all right, we'll move on next here to the Broncos class. Oh, I have oh, next God. as well. Okay. So Broncos did a lot of moving around the board. Um, mm-hmm. Only ended up with five picks. I think they entered the draft with like 10. Um, all mostly like late day two, early day three. So right. they traded around a lot. Um, Marvin Mims, who we really liked in round two at pick 63. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Sanders uh, in round three, pick 67, the mm-hmm. linebacker from Arkansas. Riley Moss, the corner. I think he also might be potentially playing safety for them. Mm-hmm. Um, pick 83. Uh, Riley, or not Riley, excuse me, J.L. Skinner, Boise State safety, round six. And then Alex Forsyth, the center from Oregon, uh, down in round seven. So, Tyler, what do you what do you make of the Broncos' small draft class? It's really solid. I mean, Marvin Mims in the second round, great. That's where, you know, you should probably be taking him. Maybe mm-hmm. he could have slid to the third because I think some people were concerned about, like, medicals or something. But fine. At least they cleared him out. Uh, Drew Sanders, he went as linebacker... I want to say it's like linebacker five. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Sanders in round three is really, really solid. I think he was, you know, the other guy after Jack Campbell who, okay, maybe if you want like a more pure linebacker, I guess that's maybe someone like Simpson. But, you know, I think Sanders is a guy that they, you know, he'd love to take and develop. So that's just adding to a really nice rotation for them. I don't know what they'll do because they've kind of done this thing where they have a linebacker and move him to edge or this guy can play stand up or whatever. So, uh, fun for their group for sure. Didn't know who Riley Moss was. All I know is that everyone commented uh, that he's white. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just what every Broncos fan said after they drafted him. Um, so there's that. And then JL Skinner. I had a ooh, did I have a second or third round grade on him? Yeah, you really Before liked I, him. It was just the I injury. did really like him. Yeah, he was either fifth or sixth for me in terms of safeties in the entire class. He just had his injury, which I believe was an upper body injury, and so. I mean, not losing your knees or anything, that's great, or it's a hamstring injury. So, hey, if he comes back from that, this is probably the best value pick of all four classes. And then Alex Forsyth, I did not watch. So of the guys I watched, which is only three, Mim, Sanders, Skinner, great. Like, I think that's really, really solid work. The other two guys just didn't watch him. So to me, it seems like a good class. I don't know what they gave up in terms of moving up, moving down, whatever. So maybe some people wouldn't like this class as much because they gave up, you know, yeah. two picks for somebody. But just looking at the players that are here, solid work. Yeah, because they moved up for Mims and Moss, so it's not like mm. they were, you know. I mean, <laughs> they went from they didn't have a fourth and a fifth round pick because they were moving around so much. Mm. Um, have to correct myself. Sanders was LB three off of the board, so um, just very late. Obviously, the league was not super high on the linebacker class in general. So yeah, um, I understand the the hesitation on the linebackers. I mean, we didn't like the class either, but getting Drew Sanders in the third round at pick sixty seven. That's really good value. I I still had him as a top 40 player in the class. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, how they play him, we'll see because, you know, they have Josie Jewell. They have um, some other guys that they like in terms of veterans off the off the ball. Um, maybe he can play some edge for them like he did Alabama. I don't really know. We'll, we'll see how much he plays, but I, I still really like the, the value there. Um, so I don't, I don't think they got like an immediate starter here, like, Mm-hmm. We'll see what they do with the, their wide receiver room. You know, there's been some chatter again about them trading some pieces, but 
like you know they have uh obviously jerry judy Cortland sutton um tim patrick kj hamler so he's kind of like the same player stylistically as kj hamler um so maybe that's his role maybe he's your immediate punt returner kick returner type and then you know you'll see what you do with uh after that so you know we'll see like i i don't know if they really got an immediate start i guess riley moss could play safety or corner for them jail skinner kind of depends on the health um so i like the players i like the value of where they got those players i just like looking at their team and the positions i don't know if they really got a true starter right away yeah we'll see what they do with marvin mims uh corlin sutton had his extension last year i think is when he got the new deal or the year before yeah so they extended both sutton and patrick last year and then Judy was a 2019 pick or 2020? 2020. 2020. Uh, I, I didn't watch that class and you guys graded him, right? Is that right? Was he the same class as Justin Herbert? I can't remember now. <laughs> it's been Yeah, so yeah, he was 2020. Yeah. So he's gonna be playing on the fifth year option next year. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And did they exercise that option? Yes, I believe so. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It, it seems like a good class overall. Like you said, no immediate starters. Of course, if you don't pick till 63, it's it's difficult yeah. to do that. But um, yeah, the fit's interesting. I'm curious about what they're going to do with Sanders. But I guess, I mean, the Chiefs took Leo Chanel in the third round last year, and he's just like their fifth linebacker now. Uh, but they feel really good about that because that's yeah. a heck of a linebacker group. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> um, all right, Tyler, let's get to the Chiefs class now. Okay. Uh, so again, love the Chiefs draft last year. They got like mm-hmm. six starters out of it. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, started or ended the first round with Felix Andrew DK Ozama from Kansas State, the edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, took Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from SMU, at pick 55. Uh, Wanye Morris, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma, at pick 92. Uh, Chamari Connor, the corner from Virginia Tech, at 119. BJ Thompson, the edge rusher from Stephen F. Austin, at 166. Keandre Coburn, the defensive lineman from Texas at 194. And then Nick Jones, the corner from Ball State at 250. Tyler, your thoughts here? The the part for me that's tough is I didn't watch Rasheed Rice. So I, I would kind of lean on you in that regard. But yeah, um, Felix Anaduke Uzama was like a awesome, perfect fit for them. And it's kind of frustrating looking at their defensive line and just seeing the way they're really their front seven. How they're accumulating, you know, these guys. How they did it last year. How they did it this year in free agency, and then just adding Inuke Uzama to go next to, or I guess the other side of uh, George Karloftis. That's a really, really good group, and it really just signals like the Chiefs know what they want. It was kind of predictable. Like if they went in for an edge rusher sort of type, this was it. Like this made a ton of sense for them. So in terms of identifying exactly what they need and going for it, perfect. Rice, I don't know anything about. I apologize. Wanya Morris is a guy they could have as, as their. I mean, that that's your third tackle is great. Like you just adding another guy to your room. You know, Taylor's going to start. And oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Who's their other tackle? Uh, well, they signed uh, Donovan Smith just barely, probably to start Thank that you. tackle. But uh, Lucas Lucas Nyang is their probably uh, other potential swing tackle. Oh, and they have Niang. So yeah, it's a heck of a heck of a tackle room. Or not, not like yeah. the strongest starting room or any by any means. You know, the Chargers tackles are better, but nice quattro of people to work with. 
Did not watch Jamari Connor. Did not watch BJ Thompson. Um, I think Coburn, just watching him, you could tell there was so much talent with that guy. Um, so them getting him in the sixth round just to add to their arsenal of, of pass rushers, run defenders, whatever on the interior is great. So didn't watch Thompson. I'm not very helpful today. Didn't watch Rice. Didn't watch Connor. Didn't watch Thompson. Didn't watch Jones. Sorry, I didn't watch Nick Jones from Ball State uh, or, or whatever SFA even was. But um, Stephen F. Austin. Great. That's that's a real <laughs> school. Um, but it's I, definitely like, more of a basketball school. I feel like they're in the, in the NCAA tournament like every other year. Yeah, well, good for them. So Enrico Izama, great. Morris, great. Coburn, great. Everybody else, I genuinely did not watch, so I apologize. No, it's all good. Uh, starting with Andrew Dike Ozama, I don't think he's going to start right away. Um, they signed Charles Omenihue from the Niners to a, a pretty decent contract, so I think him and Karloftis are probably going to start, but, I mean, they definitely have a type when it comes to defensive ends. I mean, uh, Karloftis, Omenihue, Felix Andrew Dike Ozama, then make Mike Dana, or Dana, I forget how you pronounce it, is probably their fourth edge rusher. And all four of them probably have very similar physical profiles if you looked at them. So mm-hmm. they definitely have a type. I, I like that fit for Enrique Ozama. He doesn't have to come in and be the starter right away. He can, you know, develop. And and just in general, like the Chiefs have really kind of flipped their personnel philosophies. Like they're really investing a lot of draft resources into front seven players like Tyler was talking about earlier as well as offensive linemen. I mean, you look up and down their offensive line depth chart too. I don't think it's necessarily like an elite unit, Mm -hmm. but they have depth at every single spot. Like Wanya Morris, Lucas Nyang, that's a really good backup tackle group. Mm -hmm. Um, They drafted Darian Kennard last year. Um, They they drafted uh, Nick Allegretti in 2019. You know, he's played some good ball for them previously um you have uh austin reader who was their starting center for the super bowl season he's their backup center now behind creed humphrey like mm-hmm. they just have really done a good job with the trenches and i and i hate it <laughs> um so I, I think they've really kind of flipped that philosophy on the, on its head because i feel like in the previous few drafts before 2022 it was a lot of like hey let's take a safety here let's take a, a backup tight end let's take a running back like it was not a lot of trench picks. And then the last two years, they've really done a, a good job there. Um, so Rasheed Rice, I was he was one of my lowest graded receivers. I graded 17. I think he was like 16th on my board. Jeez. I was not a huge <laughs> fan of his. I just felt like I didn't see anything like athletically that really made me think that he could live on the outside. And like that's his physical profile. But they view him as a juju replacement. Like they, they want him being mm. a, a big slot receiver. So... We'll see, you know, if there's any team that can figure it out against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And he gets to play with Patrick Mahomes, so he's probably going to make me eat my words there. Um, Wanye Morris, perfect, like, long-term Orlando Brown replacement for them. So I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, Did not watch Connor or Thompson. Keandre Coburn, though, really classic, like, nose tackle type. So he's a great fit there. Didn't watch Nick Jones. So... Uh, similar to the Broncos, I like the players they took at certain spots, but I don't think they got really like an immediate starter because uh, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore are probably going to be their regular slot receivers. So mm-hmm. I don't really understand why you draft for She Rice if you think he's a slot receiver too. Um, but again, like if there's a team who'll figure it out, it's probably the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I respect their commitment to now investing in receiver. I mean, trade second rounder last year, second rounder this year. 
and they won a Super Bowl. So who am I to tell them that that's not a good idea? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you look at this receiver death chart, man, and like individually, like talent wise, it's not that good. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Marcus Valdez Scandling is probably their wide receiver one now. Like it's just, it's not very good. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. there's Tony, Sky Moore, James Ritchie, Justin Watson, and Rasheed Rice. And then they have Justin Ross, Amir Smith Marset, Cornell Powell. Like, they don't really have any like proven production guys, but mm -hmm. it's the Chiefs. So it's like they could just get the benefit of the doubt and they'll figure it out. And they still have Travis Kelsey. I didn't realize John Ross signed with the Chiefs. He's on their death chart. Uh, yeah. I don't mean Justin yeah, Ross. Yeah. I mean John Ross. I had no idea that he was on yep. the Chiefs. Oh, wow. So it's interesting. It's not, again, that's not like a, a great room, but I mean, they have like Richie James is a wide receiver five, Justin Watson. Had a day against JC Jackson. Um, and then just Makes the combination sense. of like all these guys, like John Ross is like their wide receiver seven, Justin Ross, Amir Smith Marset, yeah. Cornell Powell still on there, Ty Freifogel, like a lot of guys that they're just sort of trying to work with to bring into the rotation, draft pick early, late, signing, trade, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure one of them's gonna have a whopping like 700 yards max, and they'll still win the same role. <laughs> Yeah, one of them is going to become relevant. So I if I had to like bet who leads their receiver room in yards, I think I might like talk myself into Kadarius Tony being that guy. Like I, I mean he was the one who got the most playing time and and touches mm -hmm. down the down the stretch although Mark Rosado Scanley had a really good uh was it the divisional round against the Bengals? Uh I, I don't forget. recall. He went for like a buck 20 in one of the playoff games. So Maybe it's Valdez Scanlon. It's just like he's he's never been that guy. He's always just been more of like a two or a three. Right. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. All right. Uh, let's look at the Chargers graphic here next. Obviously, we've talked a lot about this, but had a lot of time to simmer on this. Quentin Johnston, mm -hmm. Tuli, Tui Pelotu, Dayon Henley, Darius Davis, Jordan McFadden, Scott Matlock, and Max Duggan. So um, I, I, I guess the kind of the theme of, for all of these teams is, is maybe not getting a ton of immediate starters by guys mm -hmm. who will still play a lot although obviously quentin johnson we think is is going to be a starter from from day one but um how do you feel like the chargers class stacks up now looking at the rest of the group tyler it's okay well here's the unfair thing other than duggan who i've unintentionally watched like six different times during the last draft class i've watched all these players so i, I know who scott matlock is i know who jordan mcfadden is now I didn't before the draft, so I'm. There are probably players with other classes who are genuinely good prospects for their where they were drafted. I just did not watch them. Um, I genuinely feel like if just looking at this, Johnson's already a starter, even though he's wide receiver three. They're going to run a ton of wide receiver threes. Uh, excuse me, three receiver sets. Yeah, that's there. Nobody else on this group is starting. Um, you can call them, you know, a very you know, a one and a half, you know, starter edge one and you know, two and a half, whatever for Tuli's whip below two. Yeah. But none of these guys are starting outside of Darius Davis as their returner. And kind of like Trey Tucker, one that was a bit early in two, it's just he's just, you know, started by default. So I how do I it was really I genuinely do not know which class I would put first. Um, I've watched all the Chargers class. So for me it's like, okay, like I can see and sure. I do really like this draft class quite a bit. How do I compare that to this group that also has a solid first round pick? 
um, maybe a receiver who can eventually start a good developmental tackle. Like the Chargers got a developmental linebacker. Um, you know, if I like JL Skinner for them, I like Matlock for us. So I really don't know how to stack up all these classes, except for I honestly do think the Raiders got the most immediate starter potential group. Yeah. Does that mean they're the best? I don't know. But Wilson, I mean, he might start. We'll see what happens with Jones. But then Mayer, Tucker, um, Chris Smith could definitely start. So uh, Chargers, I think, are jockeying for me for like 1B or 2, I think. And I potentially, can't believe I'm saying it, might like the Raiders draft class (laughs) the most of all four. But they also picked the earliest. So it's like... You know, I'm looking at Tyree Wilson and Michael Mayer versus when the Broncos picked at 63 right. with Marvin Mims. Um, I think Mims, Sanders, Skinner might be one of the best like trio of picks of all the classes. But I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm really, really struggling to figure out where the Chargers are here. I do think it's a good class. I just think everyone did a good job. And so it's tough to really, you know, figure out who's better than who. Yeah. I think if you're basing this off of like immediate starting, but starting players, like it has to be the Raiders, right? Cause the Raiders, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Cause they picked earlier. They also had the most holes. Like they, they don't have good defensive players and they picked a lot of defensive players. So, you know, immediate impact, probably the Raiders win that debate in terms of like highest upside class. Like I do think it might be the Broncos, like in terms of just like, top to bottom i know it's a smaller class but yeah um you know i really loved marvin mims um drew sanders is is probably going to end up being a starting linebacker for them riley moss if he's a starting corner like that's that's really good value yeah Um, you like jl skinner i didn't watch him because of the injury and a lot of people like alex forsyth i I mean i watched him casually i did not sit down and grade him Mm -hmm. um but if he's your starting center down the road like that can change some things but in terms of like highest potential, like I think the Broncos have an argument here. Yeah, it would really come down to Riley Moss for me. Like Forsyth is a feature center, cool. Uh, Moss is the only one I, I literally feel like I know nothing about because yeah. I watched everybody else on Iowa but him. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, your third round pick is a guy I didn't watch. So it's really tough to officially judge them. And I'll be honest, I don't think I heard a single person talking about Riley Moss. Does that mean he's bad? No. I just like, I never heard anybody say, oh yeah. man, this guy who could sneak in around three, check him out. Didn't for one second know who Riley Moss was. No offense. I just, you know, you only have so much time. Yeah. And, and it was I tough heard. in this corner class too for like those like round three, round four guys to like separate themselves and create buzz. Cause it was like, like I talked about, like my guy Clark Phillips, he was a fourth round, he was a fourth round pick. In a normal cornerback class, he's probably a uh, late second, early third round pick. But this mm-hmm. this cornerback group just went like twenty five players deep, and yeah. Ross might be safety for for the Broncos. I don't know; mm-hmm. it's kind of confusing there. Yeah, that, that's the other thing too. Is I think for the Broncos, the ceiling is certainly there. I just have no idea what their some of these guys' roles are going to be. Technically, JL Skinner, I have no idea what he's going to be because at um, Boise State, he was more of you know, closer to the line of scrimmage guy. I think he's a better free safety. So what is their role for him? I don't know. Marvin Mims, where does he fit in? Drew Sanders, you have so many linebackers and a collection right. of edge rushers. So where does he play? So more questions. I think the Raiders have like a very 
we're starting these guys, we're playing these guys, they're good players, here's our class. Uh, and you kind of just, for the most part, know what their role is going to be. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that is fair uh, to say. I mean, like, the Raiders have the most holes for sure. But um, the the Chiefs draft, again, I feel is really solid. It, it's like I haven't watched all these players, but I feel like Chiefs fans probably feel the same way that we feel about the Chargers class where it's like, okay, maybe you didn't love it like uh, at first glance, but like yeah. you dive into the film later on and you just really kind of find roles for these players and you really start to like it again. So mm -hmm. it, overall, I really like the philosophy of, of the Chiefs draft. I mean, you're talking about two edge rushers. You're talking about a wide receiver, yeah. um, an offensive tackle, two corners. Although I've seen some people suggest Nick Jones might be a safety for them. So mm -hmm. we'll see about that one. But mostly premium positions and then uh, a run-stuffing defensive tackle. So I feel like the Chiefs and the Chargers classes are probably a little on par with each other, just like overall. Although yeah. I do think I would rather have Quentin and Thule over Felix and Rasheed Rice. That I think I would agree with. Again, I didn't watch Rasheed Rice, but I, I think I would agree with that. But then you're like, okay, I, I, Deion Henley's going to be a lot of fun, but I, I think I would rather have Wanya Morris over Deion Henley. I would agree with that. I would have no offense, but again, I, I would I would agree with that. My offensive tackle is very much needed. Yeah. Um. So I, I think that Chargers probably playing for second here. I think you feel the same mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Just based off of the Raiders. Again, you know, I hate to compliment the Raiders, but. They really did have a solid draft, man. I really like the value where they got each of those players. I mean, you're talking about, again, Tyree Wilson probably not starting right away, but Mayer and Young probably starting. Ja'Korian Bennett could start. Chris Smith could start. Trey Tucker at least is going to be a returner. So the, the Raiders got a lot of value, and it's definitely a lot better than last year. So I think for me, it's not a runaway pick like last year. Like we love the Chiefs draft, but yeah, I do think you probably have to give the Raiders the nod in terms of best class and certainly most immediate impact. Yeah, I can't believe we're saying that. I mean, I last year it was uh, the Chiefs had by far and away with the best class in the AFC West, and you know, arguably the best in the NFL as as is um, at the time. Although I think like the Jets and Giants are pretty close there, and that pretty much panned out. But yeah, by by the slimmest margins. Partially because they're of their roster, partially because they picked earlier. Yeah, I would say I would say the Raiders, but they'll find a way to screw it up. <laughs> Probably, man. Um, I saw Vic uh, Tafer pointed this out that the Raiders have, uh, I think he pointed out that it was like forty-five new players from last year's roster. Like they've had <laughs> what? a ton of turnover, like so much turnover from last year. Jeez, I didn't know that. I didn't even know you could turn over that many players. Me neither. And I will say, like, their offensive line needs a lot of help still. Like, I, I do think that you can maybe ding them for not drafting an offensive lineman. Fair enough. Um, maybe not at those spots where they took Tyree and Michael Mayer, but, like, in the third round, mm -hmm. they probably should have drafted an offensive lineman, certainly in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. I remember they, like, teams were starting to trade up, on, like, all over the place for offensive linemen in the fourth round. I mean, Nick Saldaveri was the first fourth-round pick. And they're like, oh, we're good with Trey Tucker. It's like, uh, you probably should take an offensive <laughs> lineman here somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I guess Trey Tucker. So, okay. Yeah, they signed DeAndre Carter. Carter. It's like... Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah, they have Carter. They do still have Renfro. So, it's in, not that he's their kick returner, but he can return punts. So, 
Yeah, that's definitely the pick. If if, if that were Wanya Morris, for example, it's, yeah. it's easily this this class. Yeah. But you know, no, not that Trey Tucker's bad. It's just the the fit, I guess. Yeah, Wanya Morris would be their starting right tackle, like pretty comfortably <laughs> if they took him instead of Byron Young. God, who is on their offensive line? I say that every year, and then the Chargers <laughs> get like two pressures. Uh, I in, know, right? In, in the Vegas game. Yeah. So I want to look huh. this up too. Yeah, I actually have no idea. Who, okay. So Par, Parham's a starter. Oh, do you have it right Miller. now? No, I'm just throwing it out. Parham's a starter. Colton Miller's a starter. Um, Probably some guy whose name I made fun of last year that is probably pretty solid who beat up Jerry Tillery or something, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and now they're teammates. Yeah. Jerry Tillery's a high, high contract. Okay, our lads being really slow. There we go. Okay, so our lads has their starting five as left tackle Colton Miller, really solid uh-huh. player, good left tackle. Uh, Dylan Parham, left guard. Andre James, starting center. Alex mm. Mars as their right guard. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> every year. Uh, <laughs> every year. And then right tackle, like they have Jermaine Uliminor, but they also re-signed Parker Brandon, or Brandon Parker, excuse me. And then Thayer Munford was also starting games for them at some point. Um, they signed Curtis McLennan as an undrafted free agent. He probably ends up starting for them at some point. McLennan but was Georgia? He was the Chattanooga guy that uh, the Chargers like met with a bunch of times. Is his first name McLennan or last name? Uh, first name. Oh, okay. Never mind. So right now their their swing tackle or their backup left tackle is listed as Justin Heron from New England. Um, their swing guard is Natane Muti, who like has barely played. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, their their offensive line's kind of a mess. Yeah, not so hot. Although I guess ah. I could, no, no parking. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm sure they're looking. I'm sure that you know Raiders fans are looking at our roster, going, "Who's Foster, Serrell, and Nick Melsop? Who are those people?" Which, to be fair, I think some Chargers fans are also saying that. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> so. Yeah, like like I said earlier, the Raiders I think get the most immediate impact, but I still think there's some things you can nitpick. Certainly not like a runaway like last year. Okay, who's the best pick of all four classes? The best pick, not like best player, obviously, but you're probably talking about like value stuff like that. Let's run through this again. Hmm. I would say I would say Wanya Morris in the third round. I think getting a potential starting right tackle in the third round, and he fits perfectly what they like. Yeah, I like the player a lot. I had him as a round two grade, so getting him at pick ninety two, I would say like value, premium position, all that stuff, player talent. I think Wanya Morris is probably the best pick of this of the four teams. Yeah, I think I would agree. I'm partial to McFadden because you know I think he can legitimately be something, but uh, yeah. A, probably a shorter and easier path to Morris contributing, not maybe this year, but you know, in the future and being that long-term replacement. So yeah, Morris is one of the guys um, or JL Skinner for me, if he's healthy. Yeah. If you're talking best day three pick, I think McFadden has, has yeah. definitely the better chance to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, where does Max Duggan rank for you on all four classes? I don't want to talk bad about Max Duggan, <laughs> man. I, I think it's funny. Like you see the the pictures and the videos of Quentin like catching passes from Justin Herbert for the first time. Dude just has the biggest smiles on his face. He's like, this is nice. <laughs> I can get used to this. I know. He was so happy in the interview, man. He's like, yeah. I watched the interview and he seemed so happy. And yeah, man, the, the whole different thing going from, again, no offense, but Justin Herbert versus yeah. most players, you know, most quarterbacks taking the first two rounds. Yeah. Uh, very different, let alone, you know, Herbert to Duggan. I mean, Max Duggan could have been like he was a Heisman contender. Like, I, I, like I get it, but in terms of like NFL arm talent prospect, like you know, there's it's just such a big difference. Like, even if you're talking about like the difference between like Will Levis and Justin Herbert, like it's just massive. So he should mm. be pretty happy. Um, but yeah, uh, interviewed Quentin Johnson yesterday. It was a great chat with him. Um, easily the most polite prospect or player i've interviewed over the last couple of seasons so hmm. you know sat down and it was yes sir and how are you doing and nice to meet you like i think i've only had like one other prospect like or player say like oh it's nice to meet you Stephen Hagman. and then like <laughs> he did that so you know quentin was just super nice he was a great guy great character really fun personality so if you missed that interview uh please go check it out yeah i love also the larry ranchy cameo trying to get that one last gak bump <laughs> To see if I it know. Really sticks. He he knows. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he did it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tyler. So uh summary, we I think we were both in agreement that the Chargers probably had the had the second best class in this in this AFC West. I would think so. I'm not gonna watch all the other picks, but having watched all the Chargers picks, I'd say second, and I feel really good about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, I think Chief Sands probably feel that they're their class is probably the best, you know, Raiders probably feel that theirs is the best. Yeah. I think we can all agree that at least like the Broncos might be the riskiest, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> Although I like the players there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Quick super chat. We had a super chat earlier from Zach Pearson. I wanted to at least acknowledge it. Appreciate him. Um, he says, appreciate the constant content helps immensely with working so much. Um, if you could bring back one former player from the chargers, who would you choose to help complete the team? Uh, congrats, by the way. Are we talking like realistic here or or someone that I can pull from like the 1960s or, <laughs> you know, like. Well, I would say realistic too, also with like the confines of the roster. Like, I mean, like this team probably wouldn't want like Vincent Jackson, right? Or Michael Malcolm Floyd or you know, somebody like that. Oh, sure. Um what what age do I get this player? Like my honestly, my first thought went to tight end. Like give give me give me a, literally any one of the Chargers good tight ends that they've had. Uh, yeah, because this group is fine, but it's not. There's there's no Antonio Gates. They don't have a difference maker. I, I think Gates is probably the easiest call. Mm-hmm. Um, you could talk me into Ronnie Harrison or Eric Weddle too, pairing with Doran James playing safety. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Bobby Holly. <laughs> that, that joke is is not going to be funny. It's never. <laughs> it's never. It's never going to be funny. Like in, in a year, no one's going to have a single clue what I'm talking about. Like we're down to six people, I think, who know what I'm talking. Well, about. Well, I was going to say people who are like newer listeners are probably like Bobby Holly. Like Who's Bobby Holly, I get it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, whole thing, whole thing. Sometimes, sometimes. COVID yeah. training camp was was fun. <laughs> 
Um, all right, last super chat here from Alan. He's a two-part question. Do you think there's a chance Duggan gets practice squatted? And who from the tenured players do y'all think run the highest risk of losing a roster spot altogether? And then uh, F with y'all heavy. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate it. Ooh. Does he get practice squatted? I don't think so. I suppose there is a chance because they might have to do some dancing with, you know, defensive tackles being hurt, JC Jackson being hurt. So maybe they have to like cut someone, keep JC initially on the roster, then flip Duggan or, or JC to IR or something. And then Duggan is, is back to the, the roster. Uh, and then, so the tenured players, as in like they have a contract or they're older. Or... Tenure to me would mean somebody not on a rookie contract. Hmm. Uh, well, who are the non-Staley guys? Nobody on the line. And we're talking about like serious players here. Um. And he can, uh, if Alan's still in here, he can clarify what he means by tenured, but... Yeah, I mean, we both like work in education, and tenured is like you're established, <laughs> you're safe. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that word means to me. But he can clarify, obviously, if he's still in the chat. There's, it, I don't think it's Kenneth Murray, but I mean, they did cut Jerry Tillery. Although I think that was a very different thing. Yeah, but if they have, like, if Kenneth Murray is told that he's a backup and has to play special teams and that doesn't work especially because oh. ficken might like other three you know two three other players that they like more on special teams and maybe oh, he says he meant that. more just players who were here last season oh or we could say who've been here since staley's been here mm. well, and you got me with a good question there mm. Cause it's not even like Alohi. Like Alohi would have been my choice last year, and if he didn't play last year, I would have said it this year. But I mean, they they really like him. Yeah, Murray is an interesting choice, but I think they at minimum you have to see what Dayon Henley can do for you. But yeah, do you really want like Amen Ogbogwamiga and Nick Neiman as your or Nick Neiman as your LB three? I don't think the Chargers would want that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think the Chargers should and will keep six wide receivers. Yeah. But there's a chance that Jalen Guyton just like doesn't mm-hmm. look good in training camp and just kind of struggling with his recovery. And also like Darius Davis could look better as a wide receiver than people are thinking. So yeah. I think Jalen Guyton probably would be my answer here, even though I would I would hate it because I would I would want to see them keep Jalen Guyton. Yeah, I think they will. I don't hate the idea that Ed I don't even know how you say this in the chat. I always read it. Ed Mises, Mises, sorry, because you hear all the time. I should know this. Um, he says Chris Rumpf. Uh, I don't know. The thing with Chris Rumpf is he's so good in the preseason and training camp. And special teams. And special teams. So, you know, how do you cut him? And then he goes to the regular season and there's not a whole lot going on on defense. So I think he'll show up like he did the last two yeah. years crush it be better than carlo kemp ty shelby those guys so i i think he makes the spot mm. yeah you'd have to get a a massive preseason from one of these other guys andrew farmer ty shelby carlo kemp brevin allen like they just 
if they sign somebody like a Nick Williams, then I think you could maybe talk yourself more into that kind of scenario. Yeah. Oh, uh, Trey McKitty. That's actually a really good one. If they if they bring in a blocking tight end, it's over. I I think that if you keep six wide receivers, you keep six defensive tackles, you're keeping three quarterbacks. I guess we'll see about running back. But yeah, McKitty's not a bad one. Yeah, I agree there. All right, uh, Tyler, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody for tuning in here. Uh, We'll be live on Saturday for uh, just a fun little weekend show. Um, And then Tuesday, we'll be talking uh, AFC hierarchy. Should be a lot of fun there on the Chargers channel. Make sure and subscribe over there. I'm sure most of you guys are, but if you aren't, uh, please go check us out on that feed every single Tuesday. So um, as always, appreciate you guys. Appreciate Tyler for tuning in here. Appreciate all the support on the Discord, Twitter, all of it. Um, cannot say this enough. We love you guys. Appreciate all the support and we'll see you on Saturday. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.